0: Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. It's privilege and pleasure to uh, welcome Pastors Bruce and Julie Williams to C3 Monash. They're long-term friends of our church, but um, more importantly to Deb and I, they're long-term friends of ours. We've known them over 20 years, holidayed together, travelled together, ministered together. And uh, they kicked their son over here, and somehow or other we ended up here, and we kind of adopted him and Sarah a little bit, but uh, planted them out and um, doing a, a great job. And, but they, Michael comes from great stock, from great family, from Bruce and Julie, and uh, I would love for us to stand and uh, honour Bruce as he comes to minister tonight. Why don't you w- welcome him tonight? <clears throat> Bless you, man. Thank you very much fantastic thank you crew are you used to staying or going whatever i want i reckon you guys can have a little break that'll be great thank you why do you appreciate the guys leading us tonight so well fantastic to be here um i know that uh, it's the first time that i've actually not been on holidays coming over here so preaching um said yes for a change because <laughs> i actually do love preaching don't i Julie? yeah and it's, it's a great privilege you guys have got um, a couple who are your senior pastors here who are the absolute best people on the planet. I want you to appreciate Stephen, Pastor Stephen, Pastor Deb, because they are total <laughs> champions. You would know that uh, they are highly respected and deeply loved throughout our movement, but I, I know that that is also true here in their own church. And uh, Stephen and Deb are the real deal. And I'm going to talk tonight in my message about another question. I believe Pastor Steve preached this morning on three watts. I'm moving us down the road to another question, and it's why. And uh, I haven't got lots of them, just one. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to challenge you to think about why, like why. And I'll give you some examples of what that might sound like and look like in a moment. Um, But it is a great privilege to be here. Um, I love having dear friends like Steve and Deb when they come and visit our church, they're also not only good friends, but they are our overseers, and our church loves it when they visit. They bring great words of encouragement. They're just uh, such genuine, caring people, and I know their why. Some people say, well, why are you a pastor? There's lots of answers you could give to that question, but I, I would be not putting words in their mouth nor speaking out of turn to say, I honestly believe their answer would be something along the lines of, not only do we love God, but we love people. That's why we do it we just love you guys and we love to see you succeed and become all that you're meant to become and that's what's at the heart of what i would think is a switched on spirit field. pastor who's doing their job well because they love the people and so i stand before you tonight hopefully as one who will prove that i too love you guys not in a sense of relationship because i don't know many of you very well but uh, because we are brothers and sisters in christ there's something already forged between us that's sacred and uh life-changing uh one of the things that i've been challenged with this week uh, this year i beg your pardon and part of what's around this message tonight is that we live in such an amazing time in history it is complicated out there right it's complicated in here but it's complicated full stop it's complicated in here and it's complicated in here well it is in my case if you got to know me you'd realize this that's true It's, it's very complicated up here uh but even more so here in my heart it's like there's things that I get worked up about. There's things that I see in the the media day in day out that are cause for concern. There's things that are shaping the the um, the ethos and the values of our community around us that at times, increasingly in my view, are anti what the gospel's about. They're not what Jesus came for, and what I love the, the challenge in front of us to be, and what I think our challenge is, is that we've got something phenomenal to actually bring to the world and that is the love of God through faith in Jesus Christ and uh, there's no doubt in my mind that we're going to be relentlessly corralled into the corner of of irrelevance in our very secular anti-Christian world and the Western world's on a mission to uh, change those things Um, and that could be cause of concern but on the one hand it's not at all because God is God. Jesus is coming back one day and we've got work to do And so my uh, position tonight around this message is that we've actually got what people are looking for. You know when uh, people are searching for something, searching for meaning, searching for purpose in their life, uh, I'd want to say to you that we are the ones who actually can reveal to people what is actually our true purpose, and that is to be in connection with the true and living God. We've got a problem when we have a pervasive line of thinking in our community that God doesn't exist it's a very convenient way to shift a whole bunch of things to try and argue and convince and indoctrinate a whole generation to believe that God is not here or not real and only people with a little bit of sort of needy people need God. No, no, God, God is real. God, God is phenomenal. God's not just this, this horrible being that he is presented as in some quarters. And so, anyway, I digress a little bit. So my question tonight is, is why? Like... How often do you stop and think, why did I even come to church tonight? Like, why are you here? Why am I here? Like, why, why, do, the, why do I do the church thing? Why do I worship? And it's quite often really easy to analyse what we do. So it's like the what do what we do in? Well, we, we sing a particular type of songs, we sing a particular style of worship, and do a particular type of meeting as a Pentecostal church. And describing the what. Um, is not as helpful to somebody who's trying to get to know me or you as explaining the why. Why do we do that? Why do we speak in tongues? Like, why do we... Isn't that a bit weird? Well, it is strange, but there's good reasons for it. And and if we get the chance, we should try to unpack the questions that are wrapped up in whys. But one of the mysteries I've been reading, and I'll start on this journey around the issue of why, listening to a TED Talk, um, last year sometime by Simon Sinek. Anyone listen to the, one of any of his te- TED talks? He does a session on and talks about the why, the, the what and the how in concentric circles. And uh, how his thesis of what he's saying is really um, the, the way to actually get into a person's world is to start engaging with them with their why. So tonight I want you to have a moment to think about your why at the same time as I want to talk to you about God's why. Because God's got a why. We know what, we know what his what is. What he did is he created the world. He created the universe. He, and however you uh, deal with the dilemma of creation versus evolution and the tension that might or may not create in your world, I don't want to get into a dispute or a conversation about that. That's a long story for another time. Um, but what I do want to say is, I think whatever place you land in regards to how we got here, see that, that question is how. Uh, the question is why we're here is because God said so. We're here because of God's desire. Um, but even that leaves an unanswered question about the, the heartbeat of God that I want you to just be refreshed and renewed of and in tonight. Uh, if you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, I still want you to hear this message. If you're here tonight and you've pulled away from God for some reason or other, I want you to hear this message. If you are here tonight and you've not actually experienced a personal moment with God in your, that's transformed your life, I want you to hear this message. And so uh, this is the value of preaching. This is the value of the Word of God. So let's go back to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 2. Start uh, in verse 18. You may recall, if you know the Bible story, at the beginnings of the Bible, the chapter 1 has a whole lot of things that God does in seven days. And uh, at the end of each occasion of creating something, God said he saw it and it was good. Say good. There's a whole lot of goods in the first chapter of the Bible. There's a whole lot of goods in the beginnings of the second chapter of the book of Genesis. And so the question begs to be asked, what is the first thing that God describes is not good? And here it is. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Let's just um, not get caught up on the gender specifics of that. At this point in time, it is gender specific because there is only Adam in the narrative. Um, but that being said, if you're a female here tonight, I want you to hear this. Is, let, let's make it a little more inclusive. I mean, it's, you, you and I were not created to be alone we were never meant to be doing life by ourselves. uh now that's a strange thing for god to say of adam when with what we were just doing for the last half hour worshiping our god adam's got him he's got adam they're like this there's nothing between adam and god there's no separation there's no sin there's no problem there's not like he's got god for goodness sake And God himself says it's not good for a man to be alone. What does that explain to you and what does it explain to me? It explains to me that this, this, us, family, people together, relationships is of such high value to God. It's not like, it's not even second choice. It's like God saying, when you're in me, there's a need for you to be into each other. Like if you're into God, you'll be into people. If you're into God, you'll be into fellowship. You'll be into connection. It's like the litmus test for me as to whether a person's walking close to Jesus is how close to us are they? I get nervous when people say, I don't need to come to church. I don't need to be doing stuff with you Christians. It's just me and Jesus at home. It's kind of like that to me says there's something that's just not quite gelled about the nature of God in a person's heart when they're saying things like that. And I don't say that to be judgmental, I say that to be life's a journey. We've all got to learn to appreciate what God appreciates. So for me, God is actually into relationships. Um, the second thing that uh, happens in the early part of the Bible is the, the story in Genesis 3 of the fall, it's called the fall of man, you know, the story of temptation of Eve and Adam in the Garden of Eden. Interesting, I read some of the other day that. Adam and Eve failed in their garden and Jesus conquered in his garden. What I mean, it's just an amazing story. Stephen, Deb and Julia and myself have been in the Garden of Gethsemane and stood in the place where Jesus had a different response to the thrashing he was getting from the devil. He got tempted, he got th- accused, he got discouraged, he got all sorts of things in that garden and his followers fell asleep on the job. He completely turned the tables on what happened in the first garden. But that's just an aside, just a free one chucked in for nothing. Um, Genesis chapter 3 so it's a story of um, just this encounter with a serpent and uh, it's interesting he starts off um, the chapter with this accusation did God really say you could eat or eat of no tree in the garden so the devil is incapable of speaking the truth because God never said that God said you can eat every tree in the garden in chapter 2. You can eat everything that you can see except on that tree over there. That one there, don't go near. And the devil's first thing he says, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Read it for yourself. Any tree. He can't help but lie. But he gets Eve to restate the truth. This is an interesting little problem for us. He, the devil, tempts her with a lie to get her to restate the truth of the matter. And then he says, now that's not true. He's a crafty beast. And what's his, what's his deal? What's he actually on about? Because I don't know about you, but I feel bad when I do something wrong. I feel guilty if I've done something dishonest or if I've said something I shouldn't have said, let some language out of my mouth that I thought I shouldn't have said that or said something that I just know and as soon as I said it, that was completely selfish. I can get a little bit twitchy about that. And I can feel guilty. Anyone ever felt guilty here? Okay, so we know what we're not really talking about, right? But the guilty... Being guilty is not the problem. I mean, it is a problem, but it's not the problem. The problem is, every time I've done something like that, the issue is a relationship is being put either to the test or destroyed. And so the devil's work in the garden with Eve and Adam was all about putting this wedge between them and God. And so in verse 9 of chapter 3, they've done the, the, the deed of eating the fruit, they know they've made a mistake. They tried to cover up their shortcomings with, um, you know, the story. And the Bible goes on to say, this my paraphrase, it says that God was walking through the garden in the cool of the evening. And the implication from the way the text is written is that this was something that God did with Adam and Eve regularly. It was kind of like the evening stroll. And they don't turn up it's like meeting someone down the corner. Steve and I are going to go, you know, for a walk. Down at the Tugneron shopping centre, we go down there every night at 6pm, we meet and we walk for five miles and go and have a coffee and then go home. It's like, one day I turn up, there's no Steve. It's like, well, where are you? It's exactly what God said, where are you? Like, I don't think God was actually asking a question that was a location type question. Um, I shared some of this message, and I'm going to move on to some other parts of it at Queen Queenbeam this morning. But uh, just as an example, during the week I went to the bank to sign some paperwork and um, the particular branch I went to had a back door and a front door for the public, which is unusual. It was just one of those sort of walk-through banks and um, we were just in the middle of doing paperwork with this guy. And the next minute I became aware of this kind of really loud screaming woman and uh, screaming at the top of her voice. Well, it started off not at the top of her voice, she just screamed out kind of loud enough for everyone to go, what the heck's that? she go, where are you? And I thought, what was that? And uh, this matter escalated, like, really quickly. Like, the next 15 seconds, it went from, where are you, to, where are you? And she steps out the door, and she's screaming over this balcony. This bank's up on a little bit of a hill, and um, she's screaming out the top of her lungs. I, I think there was a name mentioned, but essentially all I could hear was, where are you? So all the bank start down tools. They did a search. It's a fairly big branch. It's like people were looking under desks and behind cupboards, and this, this little three-year-old kid that most people thought they'd seen but hadn't seen because he'd vanished, had disappeared and she screamed at the top of her lungs. So there was people on the main street on this side of the building that's like 50 metres from the back of the building and they're stopping on the footpath thinking is someone being murdered down the back of the bank. There was such a commotion. She was screaming like a person possessed. And this little three-year-old kid, he's lying down hiding under the bank manager's car. And, of course, he, he got found. My point in, in relaying the story to you is this. I don't think as that hysterical mother was crying out, where are you, she was wanting, I'm over here, mummy. She wasn't asking a location question. Her heart was crying out, you belong here. Right next to me. Like, where are you? It's not not seeking information. God's not asking Adam, where are you? To say, well, I'm hiding behind the oak tree over there. He's actually saying, where are you? You belong. You belong here. You belong right next to me. That's where you belong. Where are you? Uh, and I want to say tonight that that's, that's where you belong. That's where I belong with God. He wants us to get a revelation about his heart for us. I do wonder whether it's appropriate to say this. I believe God created the universe the way he put it together because he wanted you, Ben. Anybody else that I could name here tonight, what if I could get this download of like an aha moment that he created everything so that throughout the history of humanity, every one of us could have that moment of standing alongside him because that's what he wants. He doesn't want us to be obeying a whole bunch of rules. He doesn't want us to become religious. He doesn't want us to be people who lecture other people on their morality or otherwise. And there's a time and place for people to learn to do the right thing. Don't mishear me. But what really makes God tick is you and me with him. Amen? Who's into that? And it can't happen just because we decide other than to decide to follow Christ. Other than to follow Jesus Christ. So God's into you big time. I don't know about you. That's not meant to make you or me get a big head. That's meant to make you me and go, wow. Our God loves us. And again, it's, um, it's going to be overlaid with another really important issue. So I want to move on to a story that's found in Luke chapter 15. It's the parable of the lost son. Um, it's a story about two sons. It says, and the younger one said to his father in verse 11, Father, give me my share of the estate. So, the Father, he divided his property between them. Um, right there, right there in that story, there's a little glimpse of the answer to our why question, and we'll come back to it. Not long after that, the younger son got together everything that he had, set off for a distant country, you know a story, if you've read it before, he, he rash, ran off and spent everything he had on wild living um, to the point where he began and he ran out of money, completely ran out. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He was at a place of complete separation. But I love this verse 17, when he came to his senses... My view is, and my thesis, my argument tonight is this, that this story is about three whys. Not three wise men, but three whys, W-H, Y's, three whys, with the three characters in the story. There's the father, there's the son who wants to leave, and the son who stays. And the father's why is um, completely and utterly wrapped up in his relationship with his boys. It's phenomenal, because you'll see that at the end of the story, and we'll get down to that, to prove the point there. But I would say, what was the father's why? It was them. That's the heart of God for us. What's the father's why? You. But it's not a controlling why. This father didn't have, well, let's just go aside and talk about this request for your share son. He just gives it to him and says, okay. Every one of us in this room has been given the freedom to reject God. The freedom to take what we think is ours and do it the way we want. The gift that's been given to us as a life from God. He doesn't say, well, you can't have that. He just gives it to us and says, you do with it what you like. And some of us go off and we squander it. And some of us come to our senses. And some people, sadly, in my view, never come to their senses. But God's longing for you to come to your senses. It's not like he's sending people out to, to fail and to end up separated from him forever. He's longing for them to have this verse 17 moment of coming to his senses. And he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? Right there, that son is declaring his father's why is always other people. Even the hirelings are looked after. Even the people that work for him are actually fed and cared for. The father's heart is on display here in this story. And this son gets a revelation. That's not me. It's been about me. I'm not, my why is me. And that's 21st century humanity in secular society. It's like individualism is supreme. Ironically, it's at the same time as the, in my view, this is just a little bit of an aside, uh, individualism is like, that's God. I am what I want to be. I'm a, I'm, don't you tell me how to live my life. I just want to be whatever I am. I'm a little bit confused about a few things. That's none of your business. I'm just going to, I'm declaring what I am. I, it's me. It's like, um, it's like, wow. So there's that. But on the other side of that, the state wants to own you. The state wants to control everything. There's this, and I go, well, whatever you think of that dichotomy, I've got good news. There's a God who just sweeps that aside and says, well, it's not about you at all. It's about my love for you and us going through life together. We've got a long way to go, like it's called forever. So let's get this right, right? And he wants us to find him and turn back to him because somewhere along the line we've all done our own thing. We've all gone on our merry way. But I want to say tonight, is it it a moment for you, is it a moment for me to come to my senses? Maybe you've decided that it's time to just stop serving on on a volunteering team at church. Maybe you just got a little bit tired of being at church every week. Maybe you've just got tired of some of the people in church that are driving you nuts and it's kind of like, well, i just got to step back a little bit. It's like, I don't know what it is that you've decided to divide the estate up, but I want to take my bit of it and go somewhere else. I want to take my bit of the kingdom and just do my thing. And I want you to hear tonight, it's time to come to your senses. Come home. Get back into the fold get back into the into the household get back into the father's presence so he does that this kid turns around sets off and he comes home and while he's a long way off his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him your father in heaven is not waiting up there with a great big stick ready to whack you on the back of the head i told you you're an idiot he's not there ready to accuse he's ready there to embrace he's there to grab a hold of you and say come on in and not only that He gets pretty excited about your coming home. Let's have a party. Let's celebrate. Let's get excited. Anyone think that's pretty cool? Just say yes and amen. Um, So the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He's come home very repentant. He's come home contrite. He's come home broken. Uh, And sometimes that's the way we arrive. Sometimes that's the way we arrive at the altar But the good news is that's all the place where God can pick you and I up and rebuild us and fill us and put the ring on our finger and put the coat on our back and kill the fitted, padded calf and feed us into his kingdom again and we become healthy and robust. Anyone think that's a good idea? So the Father's why is you. Whatever you take home tonight from this time with me talking to you at church, I want you to take that home. God's why. If someone said, why, why do you do what you do, God? It's all because of Bruce Williams. But in your spot, just substitute your own name. Okay, don't, I mean, you could say that about it. You say, you do it for Bruce. We're happy about that. It's so, like, yeah, no, no. <laughs> just put your own name in there. Um, so this parable, and I'll, now, that would be a good place to stop any story. Lost son, coming home, Celebration. But there's another son in the story, and we'll come down to where he fits into the mix of these things in a moment. So this parable is full of activity. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. It's a typical illustrative story told by Jesus that teaches something. But there's always layers of learning in everything Jesus says and does. Um, this story is part of a triplet of losses, as it turns out. So the first part of chapter 15 of Luke's Gospel has got two other little stories. The first one is a hundred sheep and one's lost. And is found, and the celebration of it being found—the ninety-nine are left, and that's good. Then there's another story in there of a woman who's got ten coins, she loses one, and she turns the house upside down till she finds it. She has a calls a party off. the lost's been found. And we, and then there's this story of a father with two sons, and one is lost, and then he's found, but it turns out two sons are lost because this is not about celebrating lost people coming home this is about understanding our why the why the why think about the story of the lost sheep the the sheep's lost because it used to belong we talk as christians about people are lost but we've got to get a revelation that the only reason they are lost if we think like that is because they've been separated they actually were designed destined in god's scheme they were designed to be in and coming back to him is the key um and that in well that just includes everybody on planet earth so the lost bit's not so much the issue i don't think for the, even though it's the specifics and it's the obvious thing you look at in the story i don't think it's as important as understanding the stories about god's why god's why is you matter whether you're one of a hundred or one of a hundred thousand or one of two or one of twenty it doesn't matter how big or small the crowd is that you're part of you matter to god I don't know about you, but that makes a lot of difference to me, feeling like, wow, that's pretty cool. I do matter to God. Therefore, I'm going to actually make my life glorify him even more because he's done a lot to get me alongside him. So he desires a relationship with you. Um, yep, 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 yep. Let's just, just make sure I haven't missed something from my notes because I've kind of got ahead of myself a long, long way. Um, yeah, let's just go back to the other son then. So the other son is an interesting dimension of this story. Meanwhile, in, in verse 25, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has come back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but his father answered him, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Right there, he reveals his why is exactly the same as his brother's, but he played it out with a different what. He too wanted to do his thing for him. I wanted to have a party. And he restrained himself, refrained from going to his father. But this little bit of story reveals he's as broken as his brother and needs to be restored. And his father wants him to, through this mess, the mess of a son leaving, the celebration of a son come home, to bring the other son who's resenting that now to come in and join the party because your are wise as broken as his was. But let's get our act back together and put the family back together. My son, the father says in verse 31, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because his brother of yours was dead and his life again was lost and now is found. Um, so you and I can have a very deeply buried why. And as Christians, we get good at this. We get good at doing lots of what's so that we don't have to talk about the why. You know one of the most annoying things a three-year-old says is why. Why, Pa? Why, Pa? It's like in the back of the car. Why, Pa? Why is that post white? Why? Why is the red light? Why do we stop at the red light? It's like, why? It's like, it's not. what's that red light? It's like, what's that? It's like, why? Why is that car going so fast? What did you just say, Pa? It's like, why did you say that, Pa? It's like, whoa, well, what did I just say? It's like, <laughs> Mike and Sarah come home. You know what Pa said? It's like, <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm. Thank you, Jesus, that you very forgiving so i go back to some questions for you kind of to wrap up tonight but how am i doing for time that way oh yeah good gotcha okay that's perfect um so uh, questions just to help you think this why stuff through why did you get out of bed this morning oh because it's sunday and i go to church on sunday but why why do you do that it's not i didn't ask you what you do If you and I were to have a coffee after church tonight, a couple of guys got together and we said, let's go out for dinner. I guarantee we'd start asking questions about what we do. First thing you say, well, Ben, what do you do for work? It's like, blah, 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 blah. Well, what about you? What do you do? It's like, like, it's a what question. And we love talking about what because that engages our our mind. We, We can talk about the what till the cows come home. Um, and Simon Sinek's book on Find Your Why has been helpful, it, very simplistically I think, it divides a few things up, but it does help to unpack the, the thought line that we get a little uncomfortable and, around why questions and digging around our why because it, it's actually buried in the part of our world, personal world, that is, uh, it's the limbic part of our brain. Now, if you're a neuroscientist, you can kick me out of the building later. But just bear with me. His simplistic way of painting this picture is, that's the arena of life where language does not exist. And so we don't find it easy to ever answer a why question very well because the words can escape us. You ever, you ever said that? Like, the words are escaping. I can't think of the right thing to say. It's like, I don't know how to describe it. Well, oh, I've got this gut feeling. And his argument is that we, we have this part of our world that we can't really put into words well. And so the best way to avoid having a why conversation is to ask what questions and how and where and what happened then. But we can elicit answers to the why question by describing our what. And so, um, but that's for another message, another day. Okay, so where do we go? Why did you get out of bed? Why do you come to church? Why did you go? Why do you go to work? Have you ever thought why you work? It's like, oh, they pay the bills. Well, that's a pretty obvious answer, but is that really an adequate answer? Might be very practical and very pragmatic about that, but it's like, why? Why did you choose that job? Why do you put up with that boss? Why do you say those? Do you know that? Da, da, da. Why do you do that always? Why? I my <laughs> Me too. So the question begs to be asked, why do you keep going back for that? But don't don't we we'll won't start that conversation. That could get interesting. Um, why? Why are you guys holding hands? Because you love each other. That's actually pretty quick. <laughs> that was good. They didn't, no hesitation there. I think that's probably that's pretty cool. Why? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think I've labored the point with that. So to just finish off with it's not by any stretch of imagination a why it is to, to emphasise these two things God's why versus and alongside of our why and I think my thought tonight is this God's why is me God's why is you but when that when that settles into our inner world as a salvation moment as a moment where we're transformed by God's love All of a sudden, our desire to be like the son who wanted to take what he had and was his entitlement in a sense, the gift of his father, and go and do his own thing, was eventually replaced by desire to bring that back or bring himself back to the relationships. And so it's my view tonight that alongside of our value to God is the need for us to value what he values. And that's the person alongside you. That's the person behind you. It's the people in the communities around Canberra that you you work with and interact with at school and every other place you can think of, service stations, cafes, restaurants, wherever you meet people, he's wanting you and I to get a burden for their why. We've got answers for their whys. We've got answers for their whats and their wheres and everything else. His name's Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm sure that if we can increase our confidence of understanding and have absolutely no doubt in their hearts that god's why is people and so we meet people that we don't like we meet people we don't understand but if i've got a revelation in my heart in my head that god loves that person i'm going to change my attitude towards them real quick i'm going to try my hardest to win them over i'm going to try my hardest to not be either offensive or difficult to get on with if even if they are i'm going to work harder Uh, As much as it's up to me, because I'm motivated by knowing that he loves that person. Um, And so at the core of these parables, in my view, is the issue of belonging. And in 21st century Australia, we've got a whole bunch of people. One of the, the heart cries of the millennial generation is community. One of the heart cries of the millennial generation is belonging somewhere. And I think we've got the absolute best answer ever about where to belong. Can I ask you to stand to your feet? So Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the ultimate answer to this why. Why and how? How does God get me back where I belong? What is that moment in the story where the Son comes to his senses? There's a mechanism that's not explained in that story because it's just a parable. But there's, there's a reality that we must face. And that is that we can't just do this by changing our mind about God. Um, We actually have to accept the fact that somebody had to pay the price. Somebody had to do the undoing of the schism that happened in the Garden of Eden. And Jesus Christ, God's son, did that. He was sinless, went to the cross and died. So that all of the grot that is actually accompanying you in your life, through life, like mine, All of that stuff was taken on the cross by Him so that you and I can come home to Him, the Father. So that we can come when He says, where are you, Bruce? I can say I'm right here. And I'm I'm not coming back to God um, with a sense of fear and trepidation and a shame. Jesus wants me to lift my eyes up and to look at the Father confidently not arrogantly or cockily but look at him confidently because I am completely aware that my sin has been removed from my life because I've put my trust in Jesus Christ so tonight I want to ask you this question have you found yourself wondering why you're here not I don't mean at church tonight but I mean why why do you exist does your life really mean as much to you as God wants you to let it mean because you mean an awful lot to him Sometimes we can find ourselves in such a despairing place that we, we don't value our own life to the extent that God does. And Jesus died, my gosh, amongst other things. He died so that we would understand we matter to God. He wants us in fellowship with Him. That's not where it stops. Once we make a decision to follow Christ, He then wants us to go. Now, here's the project, and it's a lifelong project. I want you to get alongside somebody who's a bit prickly to start with. This girl was very prickly to start with. (laughs) Very, come up here with me, Julie. We've been married for 40 years a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) Last week, was it? (laughs) Only last week? But um, I bring her up here because being married and going long-term distance in our relationships, is so not about just looking at each other's eyes and going, ga, 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 ooh, lovely. That's happened, okay? But it's actually about making a decision to walk the walk, to share our hearts, occasionally be ticked off, but never, never, never to have the option of going, well, let's just call it quits. We've opted not to have that language or even line of thinking in our relationship from day one. Now, that's not meant to be a criticism nor a comment about anybody else's walk through that journey. i just use as an example for you tonight. That church life can be as challenging as being married. And uh, it just takes a lot of choosing well to get over a fence. It takes a whole lot of choosing well to believe in people when they don't believe in themselves or they don't believe in you or they think they're questioning your motives. It just gets so complicated. But at the end of the day you just got to bury the hatchet and go, you know what? I love you. And so tonight around this church, I want you to think about the people in this church and go, you know what? At the end of the day, we love you. You really mean something to me. Uh, We mean something to God together. Let's make a difference in Canberra. So thanks, honey. So come on, give the Lord a half offering tonight. So if you're, as you are standing tonight, needing a moment just to think about where you are. If God was calling your name tonight around that question, where are you? What would your response be? I don't mean that to hear your answer now, but I want you just to meditate on that for a moment. Where are you? Because his invitation is always, his invitation is always, you belong here. You belong right next to me and I want to walk with you. If you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you've never prayed a prayer that invites him to become part of your world, where, um, and we can pray a prayer in a moment where we invite Christ to come into your life. You may never have prayed a prayer like that never talked to God like that. It is the means by which God shifts you from hiding behind sin and shame puts you right into his presence, his glorious presence, his light, his truth, his goodness, his healing, his hopefulness, everything about God that you'd say adjectivally is, this is what God's like, it's yours because of faith in Christ. You've never prayed a prayer to invite Christ into your life. Or maybe you've been like the prodigal son, the lost son. At some point you were part of the crew, part of the connection in the kingdom. But for whatever reason you decided you want to have your share of the giftedness and you just wandered off track and done your own thing and you find yourself here tonight at C3 Church in Monash. A long way from God, but you used to know him. His same question thunders out of heaven to you tonight. Where are you? This is the word of God. So it's not been withdrawn. This question is still thundering out into the universe. Where are you? To every man, woman and child, where are you? So tonight I want to ask you, where are you? And is it time to come home? If that's you, you've never invited Christ into your life, or tonight you know that you've wandered off course big time, and you know that in your heart of hearts, you're hearing that question asked of you, and you want to come to your senses and come home through faith in Christ back to God, I'd love you to slip your hand and say, that's me, Pastor Bruce. Because we can pray a prayer right where you're standing together tonight that will miraculously and instantaneously move you from being away from God to being alongside Him. In fact, in Him and Him in you. Anyone at all tonight. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Anyone else just needing to do a little bit of business with God tonight in this place? Okay, here's what we're going to do. You can put your hand down. God bless you. We're going to pray a prayer together. Everybody else, just after me, I want you to say these words. Heavenly Father, Father, I thank you that you're into me. so So much so that your Son, Jesus Christ, came to planet Earth, lived a sinless life, was persecuted, spat on, crucified, and died, to take my sin onto his life. Father, I believe tonight that Jesus died for me. And that means my sin has been dealt with. I am clean and can stand before you. I can stand alongside you. Indeed, you can come into my life. So Lord, I declare tonight I am your child, child. and I'm home. home. In Jesus' name, name. amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering tonight. He's so good. Thank you, Lord. Oh, There's more to this, but time has got away from me, as it nearly always does. (laughs) Um, I just want to give you another verse to go home and, and meditate on. However, I want you to meditate on 1 John 1, verse 7. I'll read it out, but meditate on this. In light of it, everything i said tonight, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. I want you to wonder why fellowship and cleansing are in the one verse. Why? Now that, that's a message that was kind of, I was hoping there was time to get to that tonight, but there isn't. But I'm confident the Holy Spirit, who teaches us all things, if you meditate on that verse, 1 John 1: verse 7, I think I just said it was, didn't I? Yes. Fellowship and cleansing are in the one verse. Ooh, yeah. Wow, is exactly right. It's like whoa. Anyway, I digress. Thank you, Pastor Steve. I'm done.